welcome to Unidentified Wargamer. Each week I interview a wargamer and identify them in the hobby. This week I've got on with me the lovely James Mayberry of the Morally Wounded podcast. How have you been, James? Hello, podcast land. Um, my name, <laughs> I've been um, I've been good, man. Um, since our last recording, which wasn't that long ago, it's like <laughs> a week or so ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a breather last week, and I thought, yeah, we'd hit it again this week. But um, yeah, I'm good. Um, just you know, work, busy, all that kind of stuff. Normal, normal jazz. Um, plotting my my you know ways to conquer the world under the new GHB. Uh, writing yep. lists and getting ideas for Goldcon coming up. Uh, so, yeah, just wanting to kind of walk that line where I bring the models that I like and the cool, the cool and the ruler cool, and also try and roll in the best list I can in that. So, debating whether I go Night Haunt or Soul Blight at the moment. Oh, that'd be a tough choice. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they they seem similar, but they are very different. Yeah, yeah, like they've, you know, they've got the death save. There's a, there's the similarity there. There's, you know, the coming back. They've got me, you know, the the, the underground. Yeah, you could put stuff underground. Um, you can. There is a command trait where you can recycle units in Nighthaunt. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the command traits, though. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a few similarities, but I really like the Nighthaunt's play style in that it's all about the charge, and you can get all those debuffs off and. They're just kicking out a lot of damage, playing a lot, playing a weekly local, uh, playing a weekly game at the local um, at Nerdstar in Goulburn. Um, mm-hmm. For people who don't know, I'm from Goulburn. I'm, I've been living here for a couple of years now, originally from Sydney. I uh, went down to Canberra for a bit, but um, ended up settling in Goulburn. And yeah, we've got a, a small Age of Sigmar community here and we meet up every Thursday night at Nerdstar Games and we've been playing a Path to Glory campaign. So that's been really cool. Uh, it's been really great. Mm-hmm. It's great format. It's a, it's, it's a nice break from uh, match play mindset. It just gives you that sort of refresher or palate cleanser, different way to approach the game and think about the game. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And it's also a good way to get newer players in because uh, it starts off real small and they can just get used to playing their army um, without worrying about you know huge layers of well, too many layers of rules um yeah so it's good um, yep. oh, it's good to hear then because i know most people in my circle anyway <laughs> it's just like do we rip out these pages or do we glue them together <laughs> <laughs> how do we deal with this annoyance in the middle of our book <laughs> but it's good to see someone's getting some use out of it then <laughs> yeah no i'd recommend giving it a go like if you, if, you, if things are getting you feel like things are getting a bit stale or you would just want to mix things up a bit uh, just get a few of your friends together and just try out a path of glory. Like just do it straight out of the core rule book. You don't have to go and do anything fancy. Um, there's a little bit more reading involved to kind of get your head around it. But uh, once you sort of establish the flow, it's really, it's quite fun. You can build up your army. You can make units become veterans. Um, they get special like once per battle, battle abilities, um, you know, as they build up renown. Uh, you win battles, you earn glory points. You can spend the glory on like getting more units or upgrading your heroes, or mm-hmm. you can do all sorts of stuff. Like you can get territories, and the territories sort of give you more options. And yeah, you kind of just organically see your army grow. And uh, yeah, it's just that you build the stories in the background for like, you know, usually you know as a as a minimum in a narrative context, like the average player might name some of their characters. Maybe one or two of their characters might get a name, a fun name, whatever. This one you kind of could take it that next step and each sort of unit starts developing its own character and history. So yeah, it's quite cool. It adds that ex- you have a more extra layer of fun. Depth. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, like a more in-depth sort of up close and personal with your units because you're having to <clears throat> add to them and change them in more of a model per unit basis rather than, oh, I don't like that unit in my army. I'll just take it out and put something new in. Yeah, yeah. You sort of, yeah, being able to, to just work with the whole army as a whole, like sort of like with the units and then the heroes and you're like, oh, I've only got one hero and one unit all yeah. up. And then you upgrade from there. So I suppose you get more. So it's the one for intimate with your army. Yeah. Well, like you can have, like if you're just say, for example, your warlord gets killed in a path of glory battle. And like, mm -hmm. if units get wiped out, like they have like this, what's called the aftermath phase. So you go through a sort of a, a, a sequence of steps where you figure out what happens to all your units. And there's this sort of injury roll phase where you roll for each, you know, each unit and each hero that's um, died in the battle or been slain. And you can usually like your role is like, you know, it's a minor injury. They're fine. They can come back next battle. Or you might get a ma mm -hmm. major injury where they like come into the next battle with one wound less uh, or a minor injury, which is, you know, pretty inconsequential or they just get slain. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so they're gone. They're gone from your, from your roster. Yeah, and okay. then, then another hero in your, in your roster sort of rises to prominence and becomes the new warlord kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it seems very much like total war. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's kind of like that the campaign mode in total war, but for but yeah, you know, for for Age of Sigmar. But yeah, like if you, yeah, for people who are curious about it, like it's more just like that kick around fun thing, and yeah, it's just something different. You don't have to worry mm -hmm. about um, like the the format of the battles and stuff are like. Uh, you don't have to choose battle tactics because that's all in, that's all rolled into the match play uh, battle yeah. battle packs. So in the uh, yeah in the path to glory, it's you're looking at it's more about the battle plan and you have got to pick a quest before you do a okay. battle and you, you achieve your quests and that gives you um, you know rewards. So it could be like you could choose a quest that gives you an, an, a bonus artifact or or whatever. So you can choose generic ones that's from cool. the book. Um, you can choose ones from your battle tome um, or from you know, obviously the white dwarf uh, uh, celestial tome uh, updates and stuff. They've got things mm -hmm. in there, uh, but you can sort of draw on those sort of three main kind of uh, things or the Thondia book is, which is the most current one, but there's, they've had other ones in the past, of course, but um, yeah, you can kind of, even like with your heroes, like as you battle it out, they gain more renown each battle. So you could like be playing a battle where, if you achieve certain things, then your units get more renown or bonus renown during that battle. And okay. so once one of your regular heroes earns, I think it's like something 15 renown, then they can get a command trait. So you oh, can actually okay. have like, <laughs> you can actually have like multiple heroes on the battlefield with command traits and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. And it's all, it all, it's all up to you how you want to like kind of craft it and mold it and see how it goes. So I could definitely be something you can develop a whole army over a year. Yeah. And you have like five or six or even more heroes with a few command traits and artifacts rolling around. And you've spent all this time modeling them up. So if they get a wound, you can put like a scar on them or something like that. Yeah. It definitely seems to lean, obviously that's why it was designed into the narrative aspect of the game yeah. and storytelling aspect more so than yeah. the, the competitive side of it all. Yeah, it kind of leads into something like that I've been thinking about a lot, late, a lot lately because don't get me wrong, love match play, have been playing match play since it, you know, since Age of Sigma was started doing it. Um, regular tournament go over the years. Um, yeah, no beef there, love it. Um, but for me personally, after a while, like it just gets a bit stale for me. 
like just okay. the uh, generic this objective you know what's what is it fighting for okay i just need to claim the objective and get points cool um there's just this extra layer that excites me that i want to explore more with the with the game and um yeah so I'm, i've been thinking about the possibility of how do i work this into an event how do i frame it how do i think about it how do i present it to others uh to get them interested in doing that maybe some people on the fence mm-hmm. and i know there's people out there listening who would just instantly go yes i'm in path to glory let's do it let's do narrative i love it yeah. um and then but then there's those who are probably on the fence not quite sure what exactly that is <laughs> like yeah. what what does that mean like how do i do this like okay cool i tell a story and Yay. yeah how and cool and why and yeah yeah so it's so obviously it doesn't appeal to everyone but there's it could be people on the fence who are curious and um so i want to also just like mix up the the scene a bit by having you know the potentially putting on some sort of narrative event but frame it where it's not a not so much a tournament but just like a weekend of gaming like it's just a weekend of uh of like-minded people getting together and maybe playing a path to glory campaign out over a weekend like maybe day one start off with like 750 points next game's a thousand points next game's 1500 points okay maybe even and then the next day you do a siege battle and then the last round is just triumph and trenchery so you have like four yeah, exactly. so depending how many people come um yeah you just do like you just have like f- like five tables where four people are just having triumph and trenchery for the last game of the tournament <laughs> where you just all you know versing each other forming alliances and just it's i think the whole i think the the difference would be it's like not so much about the five games swiss pairing system it's more about just creating a fun weekend of rolling dice yeah, and trying yeah. di- and just trying different formats and playing the game in a different way, mm-hmm. just for the fun of it in a way, like, and yeah, obviously yeah. like have prizes and things like that. Um, you know, just for, I don't know, I've, I've, I need to like sort of run something to see what kind of things come up to see what kind of cool awards or prizes might, might come about or just do lucky door prizes for everyone. <laughs> well, you can, you can also lean more into like, if people are interested, you could do more weapons or shields or pieces of armor and stuff like that as your prizes. Or yeah, I know yeah, there's yeah. obviously a lot more involved <laughs> than going down to your hobby store and buying a box. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you could have a, a cool sort of themed spear that is like made out of polystyrene or something. It has like feathers and things hanging yeah. on it. <laughs> and that's like your championship thing that's a, that people win at the end or whatever else. You could have like... There's lots of ways to lean into it, that's for sure. There's just so many ideas. Like uh, you could have like... You could have like a trophy or an award for the like the warlord that died in the most like unnoble death, you know. Just <laughs> you can, it's like it's the one where I can get slain by a grot or something like that, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the final wound gets pushed through by a knee stabber, you know, like yeah, just like funny shit like that. So you could probably just reward or just have fun prizes or you know trophies for just just crazy shit that happens over the weekend. Yeah. Um, but I think that would be the focus would just be to just develop that um that camaraderie, the fun, the rolling the dice, and just seeing how your armies go. Um, starting off small, building it up into bigger battles, play different kind of battle plans that you probably wouldn't normally see at your regular event. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
That's kind I mean, of you can always adopt that's my thinking. That style of the tiny hammer as well, which seemed like a cool idea. Oh yeah, more of oh. a, a fun sort of casual event with just smaller armies and just you play more opponents. Yeah, like t- tiny hammer was awesome. Like it was ten games, seven fifty points, <laughs> like five five games each day, over a weekend yep. uh, on half size table. So it was like thirty by tw- thirty by twenty two, thirty by forty four. Yeah, it was. Oh, half size that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, so it's, yeah, yeah thirty. Not that's quarter size. Yeah, the half size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's those sort of size tables, um, and it was super quick. Like there was an hour and a half rounds, uh, and you basically just you you have your list. It's seven fifty points. Uh, you couldn't have heroes, uh, greater. Well, you couldn't have unique units or characters great like greater than two hundred points. Yep. So I took Belladama, who's on the on the nose, two hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to net list or anything. Um, yeah, <laughs> she she'd be brilliant at that points cost as well. Oh, because she's, so she's good. quite choppy in combat, yeah. as well as offering you. Oh no, there was no summoning allowed, was there? Um, uh, yeah, pretty sure there was. I think there was there was a limit to it, but I can't remember. There's a limit. To it. I couldn't okay. remember. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but um. For yep. Miami, it didn't matter so much because it's just recycling units anyway, like with um, yeah, okay. Soul Bite. But I, yep. yeah, I took Belladama, 20 Zombies, uh, 10 Graveguard, and um, what else did I take? Vampire Lord. I think that was it. So there's about 750 points in that. Yeah. That, I feel like I had one more to... unit in there. God. That sort of army style, did you shocking. wreck face with it? I... Went uh, seven and three over the weekend. Okay. Yeah. So seven wins, three losses, came fourth overall. Okay. Uh, and uh, the lovely Joel Einstein took out number one with nine. He went mm-hmm. he went nine and one <laughs> with his um with his Ardneth with the Achilles King, Achillean King. The, uh, you know, the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The killer. There's definitely some broken things at those <laughs> points levels. Oh God. Because uh, I helped. We tried to help Matt. It's Matt, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Matt. Yeah, we tried to help Matt's brainstorm yeah. uh, points, values, and stuff like that to try and break as little of the game as possible. Yeah, I think um, the Achillean King definitely came out on top because um, he could single-handedly just wipe out so much stuff. Um, yeah. So I actually, um, I knew that I'd, I'd be coming out and playing Joel the next day. Like on uh, game one, day two was versus, was versus Joel because he was sitting number one, I was sitting number two. Uh, and so like i think we're going to be playing each other mate and so yeah and sure <laughs> enough like yeah we were drawn and he then proceeded to wipe the fall with my army yeah bet <laughs> <laughs> the killer king's brutal uh, especially into like hordes and stuff like that. Uh, just mints, and it? they just got just the mechanic that the Ideneth have where they can just run and charge and they have plus one save in round one then they can all fight first in round three like yep. you just don't stand a chance <laughs> yeah, all, all the buffs are outside other units and all the alien disabilities that makes them so strong. Yeah, it's it's yeah. super good. Like at that at that scale, at the 750 scale, like a lot of the armies plays a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. and the game is different too. You just gotta kinda you gotta go for the early win at that scale and you just gotta go for the throat. So yep. just just go hard and fast soon. Don't try and play the long game because by the end of the you know, turn two to turn three. There's not there's not much left on the table anyway, so you just yeah, kind of yeah. just got to go forth and conquer and just yeah, like I said, go for the throat. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes for a good, quick, fun game. Uh, but to be honest, like people were still, you know, the hour and a half was 
maybe a little bit less time than what was needed. I think a lot of people just needed that extra 15 minutes to kind of finish off. Cause like, you know, you'd get to turn three and there'd still be a few things on the table, but you could very quickly just play out the last few yeah. turns in that 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, and also over the weekend, 10 games was amazing, but also I think maybe do eight games over the weekend, like four. Would that give you an extra 15 minutes? As yeah. Well, do the, do the eight, eight games, four games each day with like maybe an hour and 45 per round, just so you can kind of mm-hmm. do those more natural conclusions in at that, at that scale, that would, that would be my yeah. feedback. Well, especially when you've got smaller units, there's less dice being rolled. <clears throat> so there's more opportunity for dice to spike. Oh yeah. So yeah. real crazy things can happen at those last few moments. Like that unit of 10 zombies could wipe out a smaller unit on the other side of the table, just because you rolled a few more sixes than on average. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was, it was a crazy weekend. Like it's, it was such a cool format. I would recommend if anyone gets a chance to go to, uh, something like Tiny Hammer, where it's just that little bit different. Um, highly recommend, especially with someone like Matt's running it, uh, and and the um, and uh, Beast Gaming, the guys from Beast Gaming, formerly Beast of Belco. Um, I yep. believe they have chapters all around Australia now. They're coming. They're coming for you. Yes, Jason's <laughs> uh, one of the chapters up at Queensland here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I ran with them when yeah. we were down at GT. Yeah, they're a great bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, sure. awesome dudes. Um, Matt being a being a red shirt, he's uh. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's fully like just all about the like you know all aspects of the hobby. So it's all about the painting, yep. all about the sports and games and gamesmanship comes into it as well, of course. But there's definitely that that um, that more evenly balanced across all aspects, which is something I, I mm-hmm. really appreciate as well. And yeah, he's a great guy. Um, all the goal, yeah, Matt's lovely. All the guys in the in the Beasts team uh, are great. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so yeah, in that list, I had I had direwolves as well, so that made a huge impact. So I'd I would basically just set up the direwolves, Belladama on one, um, put the zombies probably center or whatever, and then the graveguard would go with the with the vampire lord. So yep. get that up. two choppy blocks of just death. Yeah, I would just send them forward and just put them on objectives and just go for the throat and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just it worked out go hard and fast <laughs> yeah and it worked well uh for most most of my games and uh there was some you, you know that point in the tournaments where you get that a bit of that fatigue where you just mm-hmm. don't it's not that you don't care but you just like you lose that extra little bit of brain power that you yeah when you think about mm-hmm. it afterwards <laughs> like i played a nurgle army one of one of my losses was against this nurgle force we had like two units of blight kings and um yeah, kind of. I thought I was being smart at first by making him deploy in a, in a table edge that had a big terrain feature that he'd have to kind of waddle around. Yep. Um, and in hindsight, what I should have done was basically I should have put a gravesite right in his back corner to, to like make him yeah. <laughs> to make him think yep. and maybe stay back and guard that, and that would have kept a whole lot of his force out. And if he moved forward, then I could just spawn something from behind. Things like gravesites are brilliant. Yeah. yeah at that points level because people haven't got those spare units to go guard them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just didn't have the, yeah, the je ne sais quoi at the time to like <laughs> think that, to think that um, extra moment, but that was, I think that might've been game seven by this time, <laughs> like game seven, game eight, day two after like, yeah, probably a, a bit of a late night with too many bourbons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was good. At, at least competitive tournaments and more narrative tournaments always seem to go the, the same way on a Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, 
Uh, so moral, moral of the story is um, don't be afraid to try new things, try different formats. And yeah, we don't have a lot of variety in the scene. Uh, no, we don't. We've got pretty much match play, single person, yeah. five of five game tournaments, yeah. the one team tournament, and that's it for Australia. Yeah. You know, then we've got, you know, so we've, as we've discussed, we've got Slaughter, which has got the the painting competition. That's a little bit, a little yep. bit of difference there, but essentially it's a five game match play tournament uh, in yep. terms of, in that term. But yeah, so I know just before COVID came out, uh, there was uh, the Dwellers Below crew were putting forward a, an awesome narrative event, which I was really looking forward to. I had tickets, I had mm-hmm. flights booked and everything, and then it all came crashing down. <laughs> Yeah, and I know yeah. um, Anthony Magro, AOS coach, had a narrative event lined up as, you know, coming up for a Sydney GT alternative, uh, which um, didn't eventuate, unfortunately. So there's been rumblings and movement. There is definitely desire there, I think, in the scene. And now that things are coming back, uh, you know, back to normal, relatively normal uh, way, we can all travel again, we can get on flights, we can get to venues and things are opening up again, uh, we can... I think it's sort of reaching that point where, yeah, we can start introducing some more, some different formats into into the scene. It'd be good to see different things. Like a lot of people have said team tournaments are the way to go. Like people in the 40K scene have a lot more of those things going on, especially in the UK and stuff like that. And they really seem to love and thrive on team tournaments. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be nice to have them or maybe it's double tournaments or even just more weird and wacky narrative tournaments would be nice to see. Yeah, yeah. And I know I think the the narrative tournaments are a bit harder because I know they seem to lack people wanting to travel as far because mm. a lot of people that want to travel are competitive gamers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But doesn't mean like Tiny Hammer su- seems very successful. You had something like 20-something players, 30 players there. Uh, 38 in the end. So. Yeah, which is wild for a narrative, like more narrative-based tournament anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, de- absolutely, definitely. Uh, for for yeah. something completely different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a, it's a wild sort of format Matt had going on there, but it's it's good that he managed to pull it off. We actually um, um they actually had guys fly up from from Melbourne. There was some oh, there wow. was a bunch of dudes who flew up from Melbourne just for that event as well. So there is yep. there's definitely an appetite out there for people to travel for these mm-hmm. sorts of formats. And after talking to those guys, uh, they were also you know multi game players so they were like into their 30k into their 40k and the 30k scene is very big on the narrative i think most of their events as far as i understand um are pretty narrative focused and that's their jam okay. that's their jam so they're more mm-hmm. i guess they're you know gamers that are more open to different stuff in that respect they're just used to yep. playing trying trying out new things and and whatnot but they yeah they came up so that was really cool to see um to see that you know and um, yep. I think the rest were mainly uh, Canberra crew, which was really cool to meet some of the newer Canberra guys. Um, who I don't, uh, who I don't you, you know, people who you wouldn't normally see at competitive events were there as well. So you get like you get to meet even more people who enjoy the hobby, and you see more armies and more mm-hmm. beautiful, like beautifully painted armies of people with who are incredibly talented who you probably wouldn't normally um, cross paths with. So there's that social aspect and that kind of that you know the diversity that you would encounter in that, which I find really exciting. And yeah. I think it's cool. It's really cool. And people seem to be more open to going to a narrative event because it doesn't seem to have the same sort of stigma as a competitive event. It seems a bit stress, more stress-free and a bit more open. Yeah, Not that competitive tournaments aren't like that in, no, in general. No, no, no. Uh, it's just that people's perception of 
competitive tournaments do seem like that. Until they go to one, yeah, they think that. But then as soon as they go, they're like, oh no, it's not anything I thought it was at all. I guess um, I guess the best way to kind of frame it is like everyone plays their casuals in their garage or with their mates or at the local shop. Like most people would probably mm-hmm. have that experience where it's cash and just whatever. It's just you know, there's of no consequence. So if you think of it like a narrative event, it's an event, not a tournament per se. It's more like it's somewhere yeah, okay. where you go. It's you, you're going there for the for the experience of just having a great weekend of gaming. Yep. Like okay. even like going to like it's an organized location where you have a like you like a club like a lot of gaming clubs are out there that have their monthly meets. It's kind of like that, but specifically. If, yeah, for a purpose of playing a particular, uh, you know, in this mm-hmm. case, what I'm thinking about is Path of Glory. Just have a Path of, Path of Glory weekend where you build your armies up in the first day and the second day we do a siege battle and triumph and treachery and and, you, cool. and you're done, you know, and you just, and you've played something, you've yep. played something different. I think the biggest challenge I see with it is uh, the narrative uh, rule sets. There's a lot more to read. Like there's a lot of stuff you got to read and absorb to kind of get your head around how, how to play it there's lots of extra okay. like you want to talk about rules bloat like there's <laughs> there's more rules to like to learn uh and you know that might put a lot of people off but it's definitely worth that extra little bit of uh reading up and then playing it out in the day so i'd imagine like the first the first handful of tournaments will probably be quite slow moving but as you sort of built that following people get used mm-hmm. to the format and it would move a lot quicker and you could smash out a weekend um and or even like string together a series of events. I think, um, yep. I think like the polymath guys, polymath or the, it, yeah, this was the gauntlet. The, the it's gaunt- polymath tabletop. Yeah. The, yeah. the gauntlet guys are linking their tournaments together. I know, um, yeah. I know, um, Smorgan down in, in Melbourne is looking at linking up his events and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of incorporating those extra kind of dimensions into, into events as well. So it's, uh, it's really cool. I think we're going to see a lot of really cool stuff over the next few years, uh, it's just oh, definitely. It's, it's just the beginning. Get excited, people! Uh, <laughs> get out there, get out there, try new, try something different. You know, it's it's you. You might find you like it and really love it. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you you've ran Golden Smash as well. Was that more of a narrative tournament, or was that a uh, Golden Golden a... Smash? Was a one day, just a cheeky one day, a three day th- okay. and match play uh, with you know with all the you know the tr- the trimmings. So there's podium, mm-hmm. best sports. Best painted, judge's choice, best painted. Uh, yeah, coolest army, sorry, was the uh, voted player voted and best yep. sports is player voted. But it's just a, just a standard sort of yeah, one day. Yeah, just a one day yeah. at the um here in Gold here in Goldman. So yeah, that was kind of just a, a tester. And we sold that out. Yep. It, you know, we we packed that hall, sold it out really quick. Uh so yeah, it's, that was just a good timing, I think. And that was okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was my crack at doing that on my own. Uh, up until that point, I've been doing it uh, with alongside with Chris uh, yep. for Slaughter. And yeah, so I'm kind of ready to give another crack, but do it for a narrative event. And just look, to be honest, I don't care if 10 people turn up. Like if it's <laughs> yep. 10 people, it'll be 10 people having a great weekend, just ch- yep. chilling and rolling dice and getting to know an, a new format and yeah, just having lots of fun. So <laughs> when you try new things, you've yeah. got to have expectations to, set yeah. properly. And then if you get ten people, then it might be twelve for the next one because mm. they bring some of their friends along. You've got to obviously build it somewhere, and obviously you exactly, know that yeah. as a tournament organizer, things don't instantly turn out to a fifty-person event. 
That's uh, right. Get go, especially an, a scene that's probably is a bit more adverse to going to events slash tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Um, so try and encourage the the narrative side of the hobby to come out. Yeah. of their hiding. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's how I've been, Matt. How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> a twenty minute, thirty minute chat of how have you been? Yeah. No, I've been really well. <laughs> I've got. I still got a little bit of phlegm and all that sort of goodness, as most people are probably in Australia or around the world. Just. These sicknesses seem to hang on forever these days. Tell me, um, tell me about it. Yeah. But I've been well. So your your main draw for the hobby, you think, is narrative gaming? Is that what sort of pulls you in, or are you you feel like you're just fifty fifty either way, or whatever takes your fancy for the week? Um, well, what pulls me into the hobby is the painting side. Okay. So I've always loved the hobby side, even like when I first got into it back in uh, would have been when I was in year six, year six, year seven. So I read Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit when I was in year six. And then mm-hmm. when I went to high school, um, I used to go to Chatswood to the Westfield from Sydney, uh, grew up in the Northern Beaches. So Chatswood is like North Shore, sort of about half an hour, 40 minutes away. I used to go there, uh, catch the bus over and would just go to the games workshop that was in the Westfield at the time. Okay. And I remember walking past that and just seeing the models and I was like primed, ready to go. Cause I just read Lord of the Rings and I just read the, you know, <laughs> I just read the Hobbit and I was like, yeah. just, I was primed when I saw the models, they represented what I was imagining in my head that I was seeing it like in, in the, um, in the Tolkien um, fantasy. So, okay. Um, it was the models that drew me in and the paint. And then, so I, I bought them, I bought some models at that, at that time. You just don't have the money to, <laughs> To really do it you get a few paints yeah. you might buy a few models and you kind of give it a crack and you you paint like the googly eye first attempt model um <laughs> my first model was a was a grandmaster of the night of the white wolf empire knight okay which is like this badass dude with a huge hammer sitting on top of a barded war horse uh, and i remember like painting and then taking in to show my parents going check this out check this out look what i did and they're just like going yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> the pupils are bigger than the uh, the white parts. <laughs> they, they, you know, they they they, they encouraged me, sort of. <laughs> no, yeah. but I I kind of got into that, and then obviously at that point, yeah, just reading up on the like I used to love reading the army books, so that sort of led me into the law side of things. Okay, and loved loved the law or the Warhammer um, old world stuff. Just devoured it. Uh, you know, the high elves was. Love the high elves, you know. Love the dark elves. Love the empire. Um, loved reading about orcs, goblins, chaos. Like you know, I loved absorbing it all. But I was kind of generally drawn towards the goodies. Uh, and then I finally sort of settled on my the ultimate, which was um, Britannia. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of yeah. And then as you know, very common stories. People find it in their early teens, and then they start growing up a bit, and they find other things that take their interest, and yep. it's not as cool anymore. Uh, so it's, I, it's definitely not the, the cool boys hobby. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not footy and you know, whatever, um, no. else, hockey or whatever they do. Is it hockey? No. Okay. Any type of sport. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's not as cool as playing sport in general. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my case, it was skateboarding and yeah, okay. yeah surfing and stuff like yep. that. Um, and girls. Obviously, it came came into the pit. <laughs> the classic, the castle, the classic, the the girls, the parties. You know, the high school coming of age stuff. Uh, yeah. But I always t- ha- maintain that interest. 
as I was growing up in, in those years. And I kind of circled back when in my early twenties and got some more Bretonians and sort of, I sort of dabbled here and there. Um, yeah. Bought, bought models, ended up, you know, various times in a box in my attic as I got distracted with various other pursuits, but it was something I always yeah. like touched base with. Uh, I'd always sort of drop into a games workshop just to see where it was at and have a little mm-hmm. demo game or uh, check out the new models and just, or get it, or I'd, you know, buy the white dwarves or get some art battle tomes just to read up on the lore. And so sort of, that's just kind of how that kept my interest and um, yeah, never lost that interest. But then it wasn't until actually I got met, like, till I met my wife, well, then girlfriend, uh, she moved in and, and she's an artist. So she's really, okay. yeah, she, she had friends who did Warhammer and Deke, mm-hmm. Deke um, Johnston uh, is, uh, who's you know, also a red shirt, good friend of Sam's from back in the day, like back in the day when they, you know, were all metal, metal heads growing up together. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> But yeah, so she knew about what, you know, Warhammer and knew people who did it. And she's like, you know, you should, um, she knew, she knew how to, I had a box of my stuff in the attic and she's like, you know, you should crack them out and paint them up again, you know, just have it, have a bit of fun, you know, like, and yep. I'm just like, you know what, it's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. So, <laughs> so like, I, you know, got, a, got them out of the attic, got this box out. I had heaps of Bretonians in there and I thought, I resolved myself that, okay, now I'm going to like actually commit to uh, painting a whole army. Okay. So this is the first time I decided to paint an army and this would have been 2000 and maybe 2014. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, 2014 when I sort of decided to, you know, I'm going to really get it. Still get fantasy days. This is before Sigma. Yeah, this is it? about a year, maybe a year and a half before um, Sigma. So Sigma dropped uh, 2016, July, 2016. Mm-hmm. So I was, yeah, probably like early 2014. So it's about a year and a half lead up. Um, and so I decided, yeah, let's let's paint up these Bretonians. So, and Bretonians are a great army to really give you a, a good all-round um, experience with painting all different colours because they're such a colourful army. So learn how yep. to paint different different colours and do basing and, and metals, armour, flesh. Like it gives you like a gives you like a hobby 101 across all kind of you know that that classic gw style of painting uh yep. and i bought the there's this book called and i don't i don't think you can get it anymore but uh i've just got it here it's called how to paint citadel miniatures oh i think <clears> i've <throat> seen that floating around somewhere before so this thing came out and it just had the basics of how to paint models and they had all these different uh examples that you could follow uh everything from like there's a little bit on airbrushing uh basing priming but just those basic those basic uh you know tenant tenements there's basic um processes that you do when you paint your models yep uh so but before i suppose before videos came out where they showed you how to do base wash yeah, layer teach you what sort of setup. yeah teach you what what dry brushing is Teach you what washes do, what washes are, how to layer, how to highlight, what colors go with what. Use the Citadel painting system. Yep. <laughs> you know, just bought into it hard and just loved it and still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that kind of was my guide uh, in those in those times. And yeah, so I, I built it up. I built I painted my first two thousand point fantasy army, 
uh, Bretonians, and then Clutch, I'm about to say, clearly you picked one of the armies that disappeared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's it. Like I heard that there was might be some changes coming, so I just uh, sort of hedged my bets and started looking at other gaming systems, like Kings of War being one of them, because that was like the that's mm-hmm. like the the rank and flank game. Um, sort of checked out a bit of Ninth Age. Never actually played a game, read the rules too much, uh, but Kings of War looked kind of cool. I was kind of ready to jump ship there. And then they released Age of Sigma, and all of a sudden my models have all got brand new rules. Yeah. So yeah. it was fantastic. So because Bretonians at that point hadn't had an update since 2007. So that was their that's that's wild <clears throat> to me. Yeah, well that's it used to be like, you know, armies wouldn't would get updates like years apart instead of like now we're getting like them every year, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some, some, like some armies are getting two battle tomes in a year, like, or within yeah, like, or, with... or three in 18 months or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> like Lumineth, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, re- releasing them in, in tranches, you know, like, you know, we have tranche one at this point and then yep. whatever, but yeah. So, so that's what hooked me in because I could immediately access the game with my Bretonians on square bases uh, using the compendium rule set and using the five page rule set as well when it first came out okay uh, which introduced all those you know those mechanics that we that we do today like hero phase hero phase movement charge not shooting charge battle shock or combat battle shock yeah so yeah. it was those five initial phases that were introduced at that time which we still use today but it's obviously a lot more involved now but it's way more than five pages. It's like something like yeah. 70 or 80 pages of rules now. <laughs> but it was great because it was five five pages. It was free. The compendiums mm-hmm. were all free. And you had your models and you could just pick them up and just start playing straight away. We didn't have points. So you just have that gentleman's chat at the start of the game. Let's let's have this kind of game and see how we go. Like okay. it was kind of, yeah, it was those pickup. The pickup games, you would just, you just kind of go, okay, you've got that. I've got this. Maybe if you take that and I take this and it was just that open play mindset, which just, yep. you know, is probably really blows. That, that sounds, yeah, that blows my mind. <laughs> How are you going to have a fair and balanced game with something like that? Well, that's the thing. Like points was like a secondary thought, uh, like in, in the wargaming hobby, like points was not the original way to play. It was that, I think that's what I really appreciated about, the no points thing in Age of Sigma was it was it was really taking more gaming back to its roots mm-hmm. of that gentleman's agreement and that's you know that social contract or whatever you want to call it uh just having and it's that's rooted in the whole role playing slash narrative um origins uh, of, mm-hmm. of the hobby uh and you know points came later in the hobby and it became more mainstream and everything, which is fine because it, it actually provides that structure that you need to kind of have those pickup games. Um, but it's cool. Yeah. It was just cool to go back to the to that Wild West where it was, you know, they kind of revived that old school mentality for a bit there. But I don't think I don't think it took widespread though. <laughs> no, I don't think. I think as soon as what you did that Mo Comp thing with. Someone yeah. came out with points anyway, and that seemed yeah. to be adopted by nearly everyone anyway. So yeah, my... it didn't seem to last too long. This heyday of no points. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just it just made it too difficult to run events. And when and when they did, uh, yeah, where Mo Comp Clash Comp came out, it was like his pool system, mm-hmm. um, and, and that worked really well. Uh, and so we were like, you know, 
list mansoring with this this pool clash comp system, which was all like uh, community developed over from the UK. Uh, and you know, started listening to podcasts like Heel and Hammer and Face Hammer, uh, Bad Dice podcasts. So like really feeding off the off the UK scenes um, output mm-hmm. at that time, and and it kind of just grew from there. But yeah, I don't know what we were talking about. Um, what sort of drew you into the hobby, I suppose? Oh yeah. So yeah, that's what kind of drew me in. Yeah. yeah the, the models, the models, the law, uh, and the gaming, yep. the gaming was the aspiration. Cause it was always like, I always had the access to the law and the hobby. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And the hobby. And when I, once I, once I finally made that commitment to paint an army, to get an army on the table and actually start playing some games, I played quite a few games of eighth edition, um, before Sigma came out. Okay. Um, I started getting into that, but I never got into the hob, like sorry, into the tournament scene of eighth, or like the old Warhammer Fantasy tournament scene. Um, was never involved in that. I was like on one of those periphery people. Um, yeah, over, okay, over the yeah. years during that time, uh, yeah. So Age of Sigma was my jam, and uh, I decided to start a a death army. And that was going to be my mm-hmm. Age of Sigma round base army, because so I never I never rebased my Bretonians. Uh, I kept them on squares. <laughs> I just <laughs> where they shall forever remain. Yeah, I just I a lot of people rebase and yeah, nothing wrong with that. It's, but I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm just going to start a new army. So that's when I started Death because I always loved, especially the end times, uh, especially the white dwarves around the end times. There was heaps of undead stuff, heaps of undead releases like Nagash and Spirit Hosts and more ghasts yeah. and all these cool new models that came out that I really loved in those books. And I always wanted to paint spirit hosts for some reason, just want to paint ethereal. The most basic ghostly unit there is. Yeah. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, I just want to paint some spirit. Hosts. So I, I, I bought like one of those start collecting boxes uh, with the mortis engine. Yeah. The non, you know, the, 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 the malignant where you can't use half of them in night horn and the other yeah. half have to be <laughs> yeah. in soul blight. Yeah. They're completely <laughs> sensical malignants. You know, yeah. I, I guess at some point there might've been like an idea to have a malignance battle tone, but it just maybe didn't get there. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't do anything. It's still, I think yeah. it's still a keyword. It is still a keyword <laughs> that does absolutely nothing. Like, what? Cause there's no buffs anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's no malignant related buffs. What is going on? But uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I bought that, got built up, you know, did the, uh, built the mortis engine mm-hmm. i think or was it the Coven, Coven throne i did one of them first and then yeah i just kind of i just enjoyed that pa- painting the ghosties and it grew from there painted some skellies vampires uh, painted my first monster so i painted my first vampire lord zombie dragon into that into that nice. into the into the local like the sydney gw uh sydney warhammer store uh painting comp and one like the mm-hmm. monster prize for that oh, so nice. one, that's what one of my first painting prizes and yep. so that kind of just that kind of made me realize okay this is where it's at for you the, the hobby the painting the law and gaming that's kind of like the, mm-hmm. that's my order kind of thing but nowadays yep. it's probably more more from it's probably transitioned more to painting gaming law that's probably like yeah or the yeah. equilibrium uh but if it's something i'm keenly interested in uh, with my army then it'll be kind of painting law uh like gaming but in general i mm-hmm. probably yeah i'm not on top as as on top of the age of sigma law as i was at the start because i read all of the you know i read all of the um the realm gate walls books and the novels and i've, I've okay. got a bunch of novels on the shelf that i've read but i sort of haven't 
kept up with the more recent stuff. I've, like I've got the Bellacore, Rathi, Kragnos books, and I bought the, you know, I bought those ones, the Broken Realms books, um, which I've still, I've mm-hmm. still got to finish, but um, yeah, so I still, <laughs> still getting to it. Um, and yeah. but as far as like every battle tome and knowing what every battle tome's about, no way. <laughs> well, you don't have to struggle with that anymore because the battle tomes that didn't get uh, new images or anything like that, uh, they did also get no new lore. So that's a nice <laughs> bonus for you there. Yeah. Well, the, the Skaven book, I don't think it changed any law or any photos out of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they still felt the need to uh, up the prices. So uh, <laughs> I, I do love that. Thanks, GW. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to worry about keeping up with that battle tone more, that's for sure. Let's just face it, we'll buy it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely will. <laughs> oh, dear. What do you think sort of gave you that transition to becoming and joining Age of Sigma tournaments? Oh, okay. Um, so obviously yeah, yeah. You, you've more about the narrative and the lore. Yep. And at some point, James decided I'm going to join a tournament. What What was that deciding decision to go into that? Yep. And then, because obviously you went from tournaments to then hosting a tournament for the last five years. Um, yeah. It's a bigger step than just being a narrative gamer or someone that sort of yeah. hangs on the side fringes there. For yeah, cool. Well, it yeah it came about through. Well, I guess the like in those times, um, Sydney, the Sydney store, Warhammer store. There's a guy named Sean, Rad- Sean Radcliffe. Shout out to you, Sean, if you're listening. Uh, he put together uh, like a Sig- Sid- Sydney Sigma showdown, which is like this kind of ladder campaign that went over a number of weeks, and that kind of got me introduced to that kind of format where you play several games in a day you get your you get your you get your dice organized you get your stuff organized (laughs) and you move from table to table like it was that kind of that warm-up kind of thing and and also around that time I started listening like I mentioned before I was listening to podcasts uh there was a podcast that came out in those times called the heralds of war uh so I know that one (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so I started tuning into that found that and started listening to that, listening to Clint and and the guys uh, from the Heralds, the original Heralds crew. And I just, like, I think they were just talking about this event called RCGT, which is Redland City Gamers uh, Tournament, Grand Tournament. Okay. So this was a Queensland tournament. And Chris and I had been playing heaps of games locally, playing the, the latter campaign, um, sort of getting to know people in our local scene in Sydney. Uh, and he and I both listened to the same podcast. We were just devouring it, talking about it all the time. And this is sort of before we started the podcast, but it was definitely building up to that at this time. Um, but yeah, we we just through listening to that, I think was how it came through and Facebook event, I think. It's, it's okay. a while ago now, uh, but I thought, yeah, let's do it. So Chris and I got, you know, inspired each other to get involved and we bought tickets and we flew up and we stayed in like this hotel for the weekend went to the tournament we rocked up and that's when we first met uh you know clint and the queensland crew like all the uh, failed charge guys were there as well so shout out to uh Gem and mick uh, mm-hmm. but yeah there's heaps of heaps of the you know that original queensland crew i think because i think clint had been building up the toowoomba scene up there as well uh and i think rcgt was like one of the, one of those first sort of 
uh, tournaments yeah, back in the day, uh, back in those days. I say back in the day, it's like, it wasn't that long ago. It really is like, it was <laughs> like, well, 2016, 2017. It's, yeah, it's five. It's six, seven five, years five, now. Five, <laughs> it's, it's a while, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we flew up and, and, and met all those guys and had a fantastic weekend. It was like a 2,500 point weekend as well. Jeez, tournament. Yeah. So that was like their signature uh, difference was the 2,500 points. And I don't know, I think okay. it just was just the enthusiasm and the swell we were getting from that. And I'd built up enough of an army, painted up enough of an army then to feel 2,000 points of, of death, Grand Alliance death as it was then. <laughs> it was just okay. a single Grand Alliance. Uh, and yeah, I think that's probably what sparked it. Listening to Herald's, just getting more exposed to the events and the community online uh, and playing regularly at uh, Sydney Warhammer and also um, Good Games, which is upstairs. We used to play a lot up there as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of just grew from there. And just getting more and more keen, I think, <laughs> for the gaming side because yep. up until that point it had been all about the painting and just enjoying the lore and stuff. So this is that, that sort of step into the into the tournament world and had a fantastic weekend that whole the whole experience of traveling staying in a hotel meeting new people playing playing games seeing the you know like blake kerwick was there with his incredible wild army uh, of some know, sort. Like i've never seen anything like this before in my life i was like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> you know, like, it was uh yeah. it was super cool like i'd only ever seen those things in magazines and in my dreams you know so <laughs> so he definitely comes up with some wild things Blake. yeah from the the few armies that i've seen they definitely are uh, very out there yeah so and yeah and just through that um built some really uh, strong and uh, lasting friendships and it's just continued on from that um traveling mm -hmm. up traveling up to queensland then just eventually um chris and i are deciding to do our own tournament and just yeah just spreading from there so just happened yeah. happened very organically i guess you could say yeah and then six years later you're doing it all over again yeah yeah i'm still doing it <laughs> yeah well you're coming to, to gold con so that's what 30 minutes from Redcliffe. yeah so you're, yeah you're back at it again <laughs> yeah looking forward to it like i haven't been up to queensland for events uh since war under the not war on the mountain what was it called oh i've got it here on my hang on war in the west War in the War in the West. War in the West. Where where was War in the West? So that was because I know East is in. We're on the Eastern Seaboard, so I don't yeah. know where War in the West was. Was in Logan, in that around the Logan. <laughs> Super far west, that yeah. Logan's place. Logan, it, was, oh, it was Ipswich. Sorry, Ipswich. Oh, Ipswich. Yeah, okay. yeah. A little bit more west. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the last time I came up for a um a Queensland tournament. It's been that long, so it's gonna yeah, okay. it's gonna be good to come up, hang out with you guys, and. Just, yeah. you know, it's going to be like old times. I think I've, I've thrown down the gauntlet for a grudge with Clint. So, oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> and a bit of trivia like, I've never actually, out of all the years that I've known Clint, and, you know, we've played at team tournaments together, we've been two tournaments together. I think we went to War in the West together. Uh, <laughs> we've never actually had a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. So, we're just like, okay, let's just let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one issue that you run into. You will know people for three or four years or even longer, depending on how long you've been in a scene. Mm. And you talk to them all the time. You chat about games. You probably see them out and about. But you've never played the, in a game a single time. Yeah. Which is 
wild. Well, yeah, it is pretty wild. I think the main reason for that is that we live in, like, yeah. you know, we live <laughs> we live in other parts of the country. So I think if we were local, yeah. if we live local to each to each other, we'd yeah, I think we would have played many a game over the last mm-hmm. over the over the years. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Have you got a favorite tournament that you've been to? Seems so we're on the the subject of tournament. Favorite tournament. Oof. Um Probably CanCon. Probably the okay. probably the first CanCon would probably be one of my favorites because. So it's gone downhill from then. Then. <laughs> well, it's just those heady early days. Like, uh, I just it was it was a bit smaller, but also just had that excitement of of the new. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we stayed at the Caratel. You know, in Watson in Canberra, just up the road from CanCon, it was going to CanCon for the first time and seeing like mm-hmm. a miniature wargaming focused convention was was yep. super cool as well. Um, it has all the other aspects like board games and role-playing stuff going on as well, painting competitions, Magic the Gathering. There's all like, it's just nerddom turned up to, it's a massive to 11, you know. This is like, I always think of CanCon as like the nerds of the nerds kind of go to yeah we are we you know like it's so niche like we're just in this niche well, in i think nerds. if you were to go to the other side of the room i think they're the nerds of the nerds of the nerds <laughs> it's like even like the mainstream nerds the yeah. mainstream nerds just like yeah we are the yeah we're that classic nerd but um yeah. but it's good it's it's a good nerd to be because oh, it's so much fun and it's yeah, yeah i just get so awe inspired by seeing um t- tables full of terrain dioramas like i always loved dioramas like they used to be at um, hobby co in the city uh in sydney in the town hall uh there was there's a shop called hobby co they used to have like these mad uh dioramas they had like one which was like this huge uh ship like a huge sailing ship and it was just covered like with goblins just getting up to all sorts of shenanigans that's cool. You know, so you would have <clears throat> loved the Tim's orc or Grand Alliance oh, death inspired boat thing. Yeah, yeah. King. Oh god, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's I love that kind of stuff. Like even when I was a kid, dad I remember dad, dad taking me to a um like a model car slash model train show, this random mm-hmm. event somewhere in uh, in Sydney when I was young and I just have always been enthralled by miniature things, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like yeah. me and my dad used to build tanks together. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff like that. But I've, I've always like I wanted to be a watchmaker, so I've always wanted to play with like small little sprigs and yeah, sprockets yeah. and whatever else. That's always caught my fancy. So it's definitely can I can see where you where you're talking about with and just enjoying small figurines and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just it just captures that imagination and also Lego loved Lego when I was little yeah that definitely feeds into that into it just gets you into that uh takes you to another world I think uh and mm. it's just it's, it's our escape it's yeah <laughs> it's exciting you know it's it, it really there's a reason why we keep doing it over and over like it's it's yeah. it's addictive and it's it really it's fulfills a place in our lives I think which is Mm-hmm. um yeah don't deny it <laughs> Embra- <laughs> yeah, just embrace, embrace it, it. <laughs> yeah we're all secret nerds deep down who are that aren't nerds are just jealous of our yeah. passion of these nerdy things yeah that's for sure and one thing i love thinking about which i've you know we live in different parts of the country we come from different backgrounds uh we have different socioeconomic uh, backgrounds uh cultural mm-hmm. backgrounds etc city vs country boys 
uh, you know, often sometimes maybe a bit of tension, a bit of friction between the cultures, and which you get anywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, a bit of rivalries, maybe not always so nice, uh, but generally, <laughs> generally pretty good. Like, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we've got more in common than what we do in differences. Cause yeah, that's cause right. like every single one of us has like a corner somewhere or a table or a room set up with like paints everywhere, paint brushes, yeah. like little models, the smell of plastic glue, you know, like <laughs> we've all got this little spot somewhere where we, we kind of do this thing and we all have this thing in common. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a real uniting factor uh, in our lives. And I think it's something that's uh, awesome and we should continue to uh, really just cultivate that um and be united through in our hobby <laughs> yeah in, in, yeah, in spite are. of our differences you know yeah well even like the super competitive people they all should have those corners absolutely oh, yeah those yeah. little hobby corners where their paints and their glues are because i don't yep. think anyone exclusively just commission buys their army like they're all everyone's got their own touch on their models and their army like it's yeah it's good to see yeah. that people have that expression for themselves even though yeah. they might be the top for the competitiveness they still enjoy yeah. sitting down and and putting some paint on a model absolutely and and like with the list list mansering i call it the, yeah, the, <laughs> like you know that that's that is an art in itself like yeah you know, that, that like finding the most honed um efficient list is like that's a real skill like people chasing that dream as well like that's just as much a part of the dream as it is uh the the law master or the or the hobby master you know the the, mm-hmm. the competitive side like you know it does it's unfortunately can sometimes bring up in some cases a negative connotation but i don't think that's the case because competitive no. competitive gaming can be the most fun as well like it's there's there's a there's yep. a fun and a heat you now you get that heat that tense that tense game and afterwards you go fuck that was good that was such yep. a great that was such <laughs> a great game and you know you get the banter you get like the sledging you know the fun like of that uh of and just that energy and vibe you get from being competitive i think is should mm-hmm. never be uh never be played down either so yep. yeah well when i spoke to sam about going to worlds he's like this is filled of the most ultra competitive people in the world for age of sigma <laughs> and he's like the whole vibe for the tournament was everyone knows mm-hmm. why we're here everyone's got the same spirit yeah but it, it, the whole atmosphere felt relaxed and everyone was there as well as being competitive, but was there for a good time. Exactly, yeah. Like yeah. the whole vibe of the tournament just seemed to to be towards that, even though that's the tippity top of competitiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's another thing I love about this hobby is like the spectrum. Call it, you know, the, there's, you know, the, the super competitives on one end and then you've mm-hmm. got the, you know, the super relaxed people who don't even game, just paint or they might just read the law and then everything yep. else in between. And yep. kind of everyone kind of sits in certain places on that, on that scale, I think. And, and it changes and morphs over time as you, as you grow in, in the hobby. And um, sometimes you might drift away and, mm-hmm. but it's not going anywhere. And when you come back, it's always going to be waiting for you when you come back. So yep. I might go off and try, other, try new games, do other things, paint other stuff, um, get into another game for a while. Like it's just, it's all part of it. I think that's another thing we're very, obviously we're very Age of Sigma focused and that's what this is all about. Uh, yep. But there's so many other games out there to to. Oh, there's. To, I, I've to, already been branching into those sort of games now. Oh yeah, it's I, it, there's a there's a ho- there's a wider hobby community out there which uh, yeah. is is full of people who are just as passionate 
and just as excited about their little toy soldiers as what we are. So, and it's yeah. great. It's, and what's nice. It's great meeting those it's, people. It's a physical thing that's mm. not going to degrade. It's not a digital thing that could be lost to the ether. Yeah. It's always going to, like it, as unhealthy for the environment as it is, it's, it's going to stay there for, for a while. So you can always come back to it. It's, not, it's going to outlast us, I think, at some point. Um, Definitely. And when you die, a, and when you die, you'll, you'll be able to leave behind le- a legacy. Legions. <laughs> legions and legions of um of uh of armies to pass on to your to, to the next generation yeah they'll be their inheritance is like plastic but it's probably just going to be gray plastic hopefully someone knows and is able to sell them oh i could imagine the heartache of someone throwing out someone's loving collection oh that'd be the worst oh no don't. just because they didn't know no. they just thought it was little plastic things that someone had bought oh god oh. That'd be horrible. Yeah. I did have a good question. I was thinking mm, of. Yeah. So your missus got you into sort of getting back into the hobby. <laughs> How does she feel about this hobby now? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, yeah, she's always been pretty supportive of it. I think, um, mm-hmm. If I had it all my way, um, I would just be going to as many events as I possibly <laughs> as I possibly could. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I have to consciously uh, balance it out. So we've had a conversation earlier in our in our relationship <laughs> where uh, so the kind of standard sort of setup we have is like I get yeah you know, I I have at least one gaming night a week okay. um, when I can get it. So it's usually at the moment it's my Thursday night. Um, path to glory at, at um nerdstar uh, yep. with the local local crew there um and then one weekend or like one yeah one weekend day or one tournament sort of thing um a month so like it doesn't mean i'm going i can go to a tournament every month it just means like <laughs> like i might i'll have go, i'll have my gaming night thursday nights and then there might be another yep. weekend in the month where i'll go to a mate's place and play a game like a games day have a game have a games day on a saturday or a sunday and then yep. and then there'll be like um throughout the year events so mm-hmm. um and you've got yep. your own personal hobby room i see set up there in the background as well yes yep yeah we've prioritized things in this family uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah sam's sam's got her art room her studio mm-hmm. and uh i've got my i've got my hobby room so yeah yeah yeah. I mean, you could call it an art studio too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's got all my work clothes in here and stuff. So I just, yeah, because I'm, I'm an early riser. So I get up and yeah, shower elsewhere in the house and get changed in here. So I'm just immersed um, in here. <laughs> I've got a thousand, I've got a thousand um, ghosts looking at me, gray plastic at the moment. So. <laughs> Mate, what are you doing? <laughs> you had it for long enough. Now it should be painted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What would you, because I think you're, you're not like super competitive, but you're there for a good time and you'll still want to give a competitive game. What yeah. would be your sort of play style in a tour, like in playing games and stuff like that? Um, are you yeah, my, more of a, like a sit back and react sort of play style? Would you be more a bit more aggressive? What do you think you are there? Um, well, playing when I'm playing my Death Army, like I try and like, I guess my play style would be uh, try and balance out bringing the models that I want to bring. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <I'm, laughs> with try and balance that out with bringing something that's uh, going to be able to give a good game as well and, yep. and win some games. So I'm kind of generally a three and two, you know, three win grin sort of guy at a, at okay. a, at a five game tournament. That's kind of, I usually sit in the middle of the pack. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, 
I'm kind of more of a, you know, I get, it depends on my mood probably. I'd probably some, some, and it depends <laughs> on the battle plan. Like I like to think I'm a master, yep. you know, I'm master, <laughs> masterfully uh, tactically thinking about how I'm going to execute this battle. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Don't, don't we all? <laughs> We've all got a great plan in our head, and then as soon as the first turn goes awry, you're like, oh, there goes that plan. Um, I think, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think it just depends. But I think generally being a death player, uh, a bit more, sometimes play a bit more cagey. But if I've got mm-hmm. some, because I've found that like when I've gone super aggressive, I often, like, I, you know, get, get in there, do a bit of damage, and then my stuff yeah. just gets killed. <laughs> so, yeah. So I try and like maybe hang back a bit and keep some keep some stronger stuff back, keep them screened, uh, be a bit more cautious, uh, mm-hmm. but also kind of try and figure out when's a good time to strike and you know try and maybe play a bit more of that. Well, they've got a couple of units in the grave, some units are in the sky, like with the Vargeists or something like that, uh, and just try and see how that works on on my opponent and see if it works to my advantage or not. But yeah, I guess yeah, yeah but I. I kind of like even in my tournament games, like sort of imagining a story of of my characters as well, mm-hmm. and seeing things that they might achieve during the battle. Like just have those moments where um, <laughs> that you don't forget, like you know, a war crusher charging across the the battlefield into your into your lines and being like one inch too short, and then your opponent remembering he's got a plus one to his charge <laughs> and then just going in and wiping out everything uh, with multiple yep. uh, activations. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that probably leads into my next question as well then. Have you, cause I know you, you've played a lot of games. Have you got a memorable game, like the most memorable game you, <laughs> that sort of sticks out straight away as soon as that sort of question pops up? Yeah. There's always one that I always go back to. Um, and that is funny enough back before points were, had come out <laughs> had some fantastic games back then uh i had like a got a friend um andrew um andrew shalner if he i don't know if he'd be if he'd be listening but he's a he's an old fantasy player but he had he had this basement army and you know, around the time of age of sigma there was a lot of salt going around understandably so with the death of the old world and a lot of the old, yep. a lot of the old guard uh fantasy players quite resistant to age of sigma mm-hmm. um it got yeah a little bit toxic <laughs> They've, they've missed um, out around on that time. Awesome system. <laughs> a lot of them come have come have come around, seen the light. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's good. But anyway, um, they yeah. So he was like a bit on the fence, a bit baggy of Sigma. So I was like, well, okay, I'll challenge. I'll throw down the challenge. Uh, we'll play Eighth Edition, mm-hmm. and if I win this battle, I get to decide which game system we play next with our armies. Yep. And if you win, then obviously you get to choose. So. Uh, I think he beat me the first time with his Beastman versus Bretonia. Um, second game, second game, I finally beat him. I think mm-hmm. it, was, it might have been after a few games, I finally beat him with my Bretonians <laughs> um, playing eighth ed. And they said, okay, now <laughs> time to <laughs> time to pay the piper. So we'd build up the story because it was, yeah, we were, we were, we had our rival warlords. It was Beastman versus Bretonia, that classic um, battle from the old world. And, We'd build it up to the point where, okay, now it's a siege. So we we've set up, I set up like, I had the train and I set up this kind of barricade kind of situation, and we drew on these all these different rules. We kind of uh, from the Age of Sigma books, and we had we get, were giving all like the, like my guys were on the ramparts, and mm-hmm. 
So I had all my Bretonian arches. Is this and... your big castle that you carry around everywhere? No, this is before I got that. So <laughs> it was kind of more of a like ruins. It was like a, like a ruins bast- a ruined bastion with like okay. fallen columns and things like that uh, from another set that I had had at the time. And so his beastmen were basically the whole idea was his beastmen were were putting this um this uh you know this little fortress or this to to siege and we made up rules where like we'd roll like something like on a four up he could just bring back a dead unit and so but they'd come in from the back so the whole idea was we were recycling okay. units to kind of simulate just an endless horde of um beastmen running at these barricades um yep. and we made it so like when we got to turn three on a four or five up something like that then like the knights would come in from the side and be able to get involved with the game and charge in. And, mm-hmm. and so we kind of just made all these different, uh, like we threw out our, our own ideas and we drew from different rule sets, uh, like in different battle plans that were in all those earlier uh, Age of Sigmar books uh, and gave all like the guys in the fortress, you know, bonuses to their saves and stuff of like that. So that was just like heap, they were heaps tanky had like trebuchets so he had monsters coming at me and it was just like this epic almost like you know battle of the hornberg in um, lord of the rings we just like yep. hordes of orcs but it was <laughs> just hordes of beastmen and it was just epic we played it like all afternoon uh and the victory condition was uh i had to have i had to have at least one of my models survive the battle <laughs> <laughs> That was the victory condition. So if I if one of my models survived, it was a major for me. <laughs> any mm. other result, <laughs> any other result was a major <laughs> victory for the beastman. But uh, yeah, so it just ended up at this point in the at the towards the end of the battle where he's he basically just swarmed the ramparts and was just killing everything. But I was able to hold him off for at least four turns. But it got down to like the last the last few models, which is like my trebuchet crew up the back. <laughs> okay. And so they were making a bolt. <laughs> like to try and get away like meanwhile there's like giants climbing over the like over the ramparts and like oh, it was just it yep. was just crazy the ground knights came in from one side and the, you know the, the um king leon leon, leon kerr came in at the last minute and it was just really thematic really quite epic um it was yeah it was awesome but yeah so the these these this little peasant was running away from these harpies these harpies had been come onto the board and they were chasing him across and they, he was he managed to fight off these harpies and survive and and, and that was that was end of game end of turn five and it was epic it was just one of those huge cheer moments so I, I hope I portrayed the awesomeness of that game but it was just um it was just that whole wild kind of throwing in different ideas like we even like wanted to simulate the battlefield as because it was supposed to be like pouring with rain so like whenever mm-hmm. his units moved like on a one they suffered d3 mortal wounds or something like that we'd okay. like every time they moved to simulate them falling over and just like the ma- massive heave of bodies um yep. swarming this building so yeah that was like probably one of my most memorable games <laughs> did you, in the end of that did you convince him to come play age of sigma <laughs> i think he got more into it a bit after that but i don't think he went full age of sigma after that okay wasn't quite enough to convince him to come over to the better side (laughs) yeah and have you sort of got um you've obviously got a bunch of armies and a bunch of different sort of factions and stuff like that what's sort of your favorite army that you've got currently now that you like to sort of throw around the tables and stuff Mm. like that um probably the the new soul blight 
So okay. I've got two death, two death armies. So I've got my what I call my old death army, which is the one I started painting. Uh, I've got my yeah, I've got my night haunt, which kind of grew out of that anyway. And then my new my new soul blight army is like with snowy bases and stuff. So it's a completely new approach. Um, I've been using and experimenting with like you know adopting the airbrush into my repertoire, mm-hmm. um, doing using oils and enamels. Um, yep. trying different techniques so this army is kind of like the culmination of that ex- like that journey uh, so it's mm-hmm. probably my favorite army at the moment um, yeah snowy bases oils and enamels um, osl effects uh, just kind of leveling up uh, the hobby aspect and just yeah, push I've really... doing deliberate practice to get better at yeah things. yeah and yep. and also like because i've been you know went off down that rabbit hole for a while i realized I need to make sure I still keep up my other skill too. So mm-hmm. come back around um, and paint. So I've started a Lumineth project where I'm doing that more sort of traditional, well, it's kind of a bit more of a mix. Like I'm using more sort of washes and and uh, things like that, but it's kind of gone back to acrylics, predominantly mm-hmm. acrylics. Um, also got a, a halfling army as well for <laughs> the kings of war i've painted a regiment there uh and that's using just that traditional base shade layer highlight kind of style yep. so i want to make sure i still keep in touch with that keep my brushwork up uh, and keep mm-hmm. improving on that but then i can incorporate different aspects of the uh you know the oils and enamels approach um like the reduction approach using you know q-tips to you know, sort of like reverse highlighting kind of thing. And yeah, uh, yeah, really enjoying that, um, you know, from the Grim Dark Compendiums uh, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of kind, yeah, <laughs> from these kind of ways, like, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I suppose to answer your question, yeah, the the, the new Soul Blight, which is the Vendrak Dynasty. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got a law for them as well, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> yeah, but they're kind of, and I've got different, like different characters across my um, collection have, like you know, different different characters, different heroes of names, and they've all got their own little histories and I kind of revive them for different things and kind of continue their story when I, if I take them to events like um but yeah, so this army's building their building their uh their story now, but it's basically based on I read a book called The Undying King. Okay. Uh, which is one of the Sigma novels that's sort of set uh in Shaiish around the time when Nagash was starting to re-coalesce after getting slammed by Archaon at the end of uh, the Age of... or during the Age of Chaos. Yep. Uh, but, yeah. So for, like, the third or fourth time Nagash <clears throat> is trying to come back? Yeah. And he's back at it again? Yeah, this is like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's sort of on the cusp of coming back, and Arkin's, Arkin and Neferata are big players in the story, but it's sort of set in the frozen Northlands of Shaish, and it's sort of... you get a you get an insight into the that world of Shaish and the cultures there and the clans and things like that. And it just really captured me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to recreate that um, army on the tabletop. Um, so the Vendrak, it was the Vendrak clan. And then okay. uh, now it's when they introduced Soul Blight with the dynasties and stuff, I just updated it to the Vendrak dynasty. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 And that sort of, you've gone for like more of a grim dark sort of look with them as your painting style. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's sort of, you know, you put that, put them in the, the grim dark sort of category. Um, but I still, yeah, it's still fairly bright. Like I love doing my OSLs and things like that. They're not quite as 
dark, <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's using all those those materials. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And how have you found that as a challenge for yourself? Do you sort of quite enjoying all the different processes and techniques of all these different um, mediums? Yeah, yeah. Actually, like the oil, using the oils and oils and enamels, like the the way that they behave, like especially when you're doing like a pin wash with, um, you know, black and black oil paint, you sort of thin it down. Um, you can mm-hmm. just do these really nice pin washes, and it just spreads into all those crevices really, really nicely. Um, so you yep. get like you can just achieve a lot more than what you would otherwise with like a, an acrylic wash. Yeah, uh, like especially if you yeah. put you've got feathers on, say, Belladama's hair. You could put the uh, have white feathers, yeah, and you can still shade them appropriately with a bit of black oil wash. Yeah, yeah, you just like rather yeah. than if you had known oil agrax, you'd end up with brown feathers. Yeah, you'd have to like go back and highlight it back, and and this way yeah. you can kind of just pin pin wash those crevices. So it's got a that bit more precision, but there's also a lot of room for error because it takes a lot longer for the mediums to dry than what it would be mm-hmm. would normally with like if you just with a, acrylic paint. So you've got that extra time to kind of clean up areas and go back with a, a Q-tip um, with some thinners on it and just kind of clean up different yeah. areas. And you can just kind of keep working the medium until you get it to look the way you want it to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you just build up layers as well, like with um, with all my zombies and the direwolves, like I've kind of taken a, a leaf out of Game of Thrones with the blue glowing eyes and wanted mm-hmm. to go for that kind of blue OSL effect on on the undead creatures, yep. on the creatures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just that's all done. I do that with like a, um, it's called Turquoise Lights from Abtalong 502, 502 yep. which is a, a oil paint designed for miniature painting. Best oil paint to use, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's they're designed for miniature painting because they have less oil content, so they do dry quicker, uh, but mm-hmm. it's still heaps longer than acrylics. It's, yeah. it's, yep. it's still an oil paint. Uh, but yeah, so I just sort of, yeah, do a white on the eye um, and then I'll probably just do a glaze with like a Gulliman blue just to kind of get mm-hmm. that first bit going. And then from there, I'll get the turquoise lights, thin it down a bit um, and then just use a Q-tip um, or maybe even a paintbrush, just paint it around it, around in the eye and around the eye and then yep. dab it back with the Q-tip and some thinners to you almost remove mm-hmm. the whole thing and and let it dry and i it's the first time in my life i started using a hairdryer to dry my models because <laughs> it does yep. help dry the oils and enamels a lot quicker so you can oh you can, yeah it's nearly yeah. a must for oils i think having to use a hairdryer it just <laughs> takes forever because you want to try and keep working at it be like oh if i touch here with my finger or the brush yeah then I just smear it and it just turns into a muddled mess of colors because yeah. <laughs> they desaturate themselves yeah yeah. Yeah. So like, and I go back and I do another, another pass of the turquoise lights, dab it back. And I probably do th- maybe four to five. Jeez. That's a pretty solid effort there. <laughs> but it doesn't take, it sounds like really laborious, but it actually, I did it on 40 zombies and 15, um, direwolves so far. And it's like the last step mm-hmm. and it doesn't take too long. Cause the, the turquoise lights, cause it's, the nature of the paint kind of just it almost it's just stain it's kind of stains the area yeah so you leave it for like a little bit and then you just dab it back and it leaves that sort of patina almost mm-hmm. and you just sort of build that up a few times maybe even like th- three to four layers depending um yep. and you just get it to you you get to that point that you're happy with it and then 
last but not least, go back and just do like a little bit of a, a white highlight on the eyeball and then bang, you've got OSL blue glowing zombie eyes, you know, and that it's yep. very satisfying. <laughs> You're definitely more committed to the zombie eyes than I was. I just <laughs> hit them with the white, white ink and then like a bright pink with the airbrush and then I was done. I was not going to do <laughs> what you've done there with your 40 zombies to my 120, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh man, that's yeah, nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go back and do it. Like I've the thought of going to do another 40 zombies right now is just I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there anytime soon. So it was definitely torture. I wouldn't recommend it for anyone, that's for sure. <laughs> However, they do look nice on the shelf when you've got half your shelf as just zombies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah, board. Yeah. But yeah, just learning just well, learning how the nature of those sorts of uh materials and using those yep. has been a real real journey good fun and now i can kind of mix and match those uh techniques into my other projects so i might just like for example like with some of my more recent night haunt models um i've used oils and enamels on some aspects but not on all of it like i've gone full mm-hmm. grim dark i've just used say like my favorite thing to do now from like rusty metal is white base coat um mm-hmm. oil wash oil wash black dab it back then let it dry, then do two layers of like uh, AK uh, light rust. Yep. So let that dry and then do um, AK rust, like rust effect. It's like a brown enamel. Kind of let it dry a little bit. So it's almost like a little bit sticky kind of. And then, (laughs) and then almost like in a, almost like a dry brush kind of thing going on, but don't do it too much. (laughs) Like, (laughs) You kind of, you can really, yeah. Painting tutorials and the visual medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then once that's dry, go back with um, actually using wax paints as well. Yeah. Like the um, the true metal colors from AK, like are really cool too, but like just almost like a really light dry brush. So you get like this full on manky rusted blade, which then some of those Nighthawk blades are perfectly sculpted for. So it just receives it. But like, yeah, just been doing that applying that sort of technique to a lot of, if I want to do a rust, that's kind of like my go-to technique. And it, it sounds mm-hmm. maybe listening to me describe it might sound like too, <laughs> too much, but it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that long. And, it, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a satisfying outcome. So one thing I can definitely recommend is oils, enamels, and even waxes. Mm. They're nowhere near as daunting <clears throat> as what you think they are. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to give it a crack. Um, yeah. I started off with a, a Knight of Shrouds model. That was my test mm-hmm. model uh, for my first journey into that style. I followed word for word the Grimdark Compendium's uh, tutorial yep. on how to paint that model as well. So I just followed it through and just by virtue of following that uh, tutorial, I uh, learned the basics of that technique and what's possible with the medium, um, Yeah, you know, and just kind of, kept applying get practicing and you kind of just it just goes from there just yeah i think that's the best way to start a new technique go to somewhere else (laughs) go somewhere else find someone else who's done it who's done a tutorial or Mm -hmm. something and just just follow it just follow it from the letter and then you know i always like getting techniques from other uh from other sources like for that were meant for different kind of models like that's why i always love the paint splatter in white dwarf i still get the white dwarves to to this day mainly for this paint splatter (laughs) tips and things like that <laughs> uh yeah because you know you might you might might be something you know a, a way to paint uh 
Fire Slayer's hair, for example, the orange flamey hair, you can apply that to your, your oranges elsewhere. You know, like, so I've yeah. used that technique for the Fire Slayer hair that's in one of the, you know, the White Dwarves when it used to be a weekly publication. Um, yeah, I've used that on my Lumineth flags, like their banners and little mm-hmm. ribbons and stuff are um, orange, and I've used that technique. So you could, I just love that about those uh, tutorials and stuff you can just uh, take what you want and apply them elsewhere like like you know it's like a clan eshin not clan eshin uh one of that what's the necromunda chicks anyway uh i couldn't tell you I don't Escher, yeah, anyway yeah, they had like oh Escher gang. Escher gang yeah <clears throat> not not yeah. eshin Escher. uh so they <laughs> yeah just like these mad punk chicks uh with yep. heaps of like brightly colored hair and stuff and they All had the neons and stuff like yeah that. like purples and blues and i was just like oh that's hot so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i've applied like that technique i've got like a conversion of a of a banshee which is using like a miss we miss weaver Psy model and a ba- okay. and a banshee head like one of the sorry one of the um vampire heads from the coven throne um yeah and so i painted the hair in that same uh, from that tutorial for the Escher gang hair, you know, so she's got like yep. mad purple and blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I, I think that's, that's just one thing I do for painting stuff. I get things from all sorts of different places, inspiration from different places and just apply it to my models and see if it works. Like at the, yep. at the moment I'm doing test models uh, for night haunt. Uh, Cause I kind of, I've painted my, my night haunt army in a certain way. And I'm just sort of like, I don't think I want to go back to that that um color scheme again for it mm-hmm. when i now that i'm going back to night haunt as well so i'm just like i've started a new soul blight so i may as well just start a new night haunt and do a completely new scheme so um yeah so i'm, I'm test model test testing out a few different models ones like a, a blood you know a scarlet doom one which is kind of this bronzy bloodied one one's like a kind of a you know like an 80s synth vibe with like purple and green coming up from the bottom <clears throat> i've done a skeletor test model <laughs> these are all using the um you know the, Gla- the glaive wraith stalker models with yes yeah the models that <clears throat> are fucking useless the model the models you don't see in the table too much not that they're terrible they're just there's just better options not that they're terrible that is an understatement <laughs> <laughs> they've actually got they've actually got a lot better now i'm actually looking at um chucking them in as bounty hunters Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So you get that extra damage. And mm-hmm. so there'd be like damage three attacks now. So that's pretty decent. With some rend. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think they got some play, the Glaive Wraith in, in the new book. Mm-hmm. I think it's yet to be, yet to be seen. I'm going to give it a crack. <laughs> You're going to prove everyone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely some play with those models, especially under bounty, as bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Another one's like a, yeah, like kind of like a green and a verdigree kind of thing going on but all they brush like the goal is to do i don't normally speed paint stuff but the goal with this one okay because i like i just i like to just take yeah. i like to take my time pay attention to details but in this one i'm gonna go well let's do a speed paint but in a technique that's fast um fun to paint as well that's going to be enjoyable mm-hmm. and that's going to look good on the tabletop it doesn't have to win yeah. win all the awards but it's got to look good it's got to be fun to paint it's got to be quick um and that's kind of like my criteria for this this you know for these night haunts so um yep. sort of leaning towards like the scarlet doom the scarlet doom okay. because that's 
kind of it's an original recipe of my own um mm-hmm. which i haven't i it's it's one that i haven't you know taken from elsewhere um discovered it by accident one of those happy accidents uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but it, yeah it just works and it'll be bloody and i think just to give it interest do some osl in in the eyes sort of so like green osl or something like that um I think just to make things ghosts and just to make things undead pop. things yeah do some osl kind of stuff do airbrushy stuff so yeah yep they definitely lean to doing osl eyes that's for sure yeah and they make things pop especially when you use bright vibrant colors like the turquoise lights mine's all done with fluoro pink yes so that's nice and poppy yeah um, but you can really do a lot of things with night haunt especially because like they lend themselves to any color in the world essentially yeah absolutely yeah yeah and they're fun to paint because they've got just enough detail to keep you interested but without too much detail that you can't just sort of go over all the cloth and the faces and stuff yeah pretty quickly and then just focus on like the weapons or the eyes and stuff like that yeah yeah and they're quite a fun army to play around with that's for sure yeah yeah i think their their new battle tome as well is awesome they're it's so i hear you say you're taking night hunt to gold coast then to gold con um <laughs> i probably oh well what what's the date i think we've got speed, we've got... speed painting army and they're new and they seem exciting it's perfect <laughs> well if i can if i can pull it off in four weeks <laughs> probably um but if not yep. i'm i need to actually decide what i'm going to do now because i've got my soul blight here but i don't want to take the same army i took to border war so okay. i want to i want to um if i'm going to take the soul blight i need to i want to add uh radical the beast yeah so, you'll love him so he i need so much i want fun. to i want to if I'm going to take Soulblight, I'll add him. Um, mm-hmm. Was actually thinking about um, maybe putting a Vangorian Lord in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well he would go in the list, um, but I've not enjoyed a Vangorian Lord. That's for sure. I find them very frustrating. Oh, really? They just they just die. Like you think <laughs> there's this tanky thing with the minus one Randora, and you can stack on a minus one to Woundora and all this sort of stuff. And then you'll throw him up to be defensive and then he just dies because he's nine wounds. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't do a whole lot. No, I've hated him. Every time I put him on my list, I converted one up and everything and I just hated it. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that means I'll just... Uh... Radikar on the other hand. Because Radikar's even more wounds and is even tankier. But he buffs everything, doesn't he? He's got like yeah. plus one attacked everything around him. You know, yeah. even that. Is it 18-inch bubble? It's like yeah, some massive, massive bubble. bubble. Massive bubble, yeah. Everything. And you can do that every turn, and right? And he's... And he's got wolves coming in. Yeah, he can do it every turn. He's got wolves coming in. <laughs> he's a beat stick himself. Yeah. Like he puts out more damage than you expect. You'll love running him out. Yeah, yeah, you really will. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll. Well, you, you're starting to swim me towards towards that. I might take. I'll be <laughs> aiming to take. Or yeah, you know what you can do? You can throw Radikar and your Nighthorn army as an ally. Yeah. Would they get beautiful? Would they benefit? Would they? No, they don't get the aura. I was but say, you get yeah. to use Radicar. You just get to use him. You get to bring in some direwolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For free, some, <laughs> some free direwolves in your night horn. Yeah, he just get, he can just go off and do his own thing in that in that corner. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Like he, he's a. I've really. He's probably my most fun model to play with in my Soulblight army for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Would highly recommend bringing. Yeah. Him a go anyway. I think it's probably going to be more. Uh, it's probably going to be easier to. To paint a Radicar in time for Goldcon than it is to paint a whole army of Nighthorn. You just said you were speed painting an army. Yeah, but there's speed painting and there's me. And there's <laughs> me, there's me speed painting. Speed painting. <laughs> like I've been working on this Soulblight army. It took me like probably a good 
before I actually got it to an event, I think I started this army um, 20, I want to say 2020. So it's taken me two years <laughs> to, yeah, okay. to get this, to get this <laughs> army, like um, up to 2000 points, like tournament yeah you know and even then i was like pushing to get the last few models done <laughs> yeah so was it speed paints a year for you then i reckon i could get the night haunt this night haunt army done in time for runax actually in november okay. so i think that's that speed army like maybe like six what was it july so, so six months five months ish. five months, ish. Five months yeah. yeah yeah so it's four months four months four. not even that yeah four months oh god yeah. okay <laughs> all right <laughs> better pull your finger out with the speed painting army mate yeah but i have to decide now am i going to take radicar and the soul bite i think i'm going to end up just taking my soul bite because i did spend so long trying to build up the army yeah. i want to get it get it out there and especially if i'm traveling i want to take i want to take uh the painting love up with me um yeah for sure yeah so well they're a solid army and <clears throat> they're always good to find a play against like people love playing against soul bite because they get to kill your models yeah and you don't care because you have to bring them back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go for the throat. He's super aggressive. Yep. I don't care. Radicar's perfect for that. He's got run and charge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> does he finally get? Does he get out there on his own and like he's just this big dickhead sitting out in he's front? He's a bully. He's a bully on the side of the board because he's one model who can potentially go 14 inches and then make a charge. <laughs> and he's so he like drops his dogs off and leaves them with Belladama or whatever you're doing with with the dogs and then just runs off and goes be a bully. Yeah, right. And, he, and he's survivable. He's, he doesn't get killed. Yeah, because he's, well, he's, he's got four a, up. got a ward, doesn't he? He's got his built-in ward. He's got a six-up ward, four-up save, but he's minus one to hit as well in yeah, combat yeah. and shooting. Yeah, okay. So he's a bit more survival. And he's 12 wounds. And then he heals if he kills a, uh, a model. Yeah, cool. Well, send him in with the purple sun. Yeah, yeah. that'll sort him out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Purple sun. And Radicar, and you're good to go yes. for Goldcon. Yes. You had it here. It's what's that? You've just helped me decide what I'm going to do. Okay. So, beautiful. Yeah. I've got the Pebble Sun already. Uh, that that was going in the list. <laughs> that was a given, I think. Yeah. I think everyone's throwing them in his list. Like, it's just too cheap not to, and it's so much fun. Like, especially when you're the person rolling for it, because I played a game recently and it was six Magma Drafts. <laughs> and the tension going around when I had to roll these dice to see if I'd kill one. I mean, I rolled 12 <laughs> dice and didn't roll a single one, but every turn he was on edge and just like, oh, yeah. I'm waiting for you to roll that yeah, one. Yeah, how much fun is that? It's oh, so great. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's a bit of salt online as the, uh, to be expected, but like, it's just yeah. like, this is actually fun. You know, like this is creating a, <laughs> this is creating a moment in the game where you're on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah. was, or even like mm. a game later on, I was playing against um, Beast of Chaos and I put him next to four units. Mm. I picked the shittiest units first, rolled a one. <laughs> it were, I killed like one like Ungor Raider. Yeah. And then I rolled, <laughs> I went to the next unit, rolled another one and killed some other shitty thing. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, I should have done that against the general. Because like, I had the general in range as well. And I'm like, there I rolled like a four or a five and then killed them. Yeah. But I just killed the most useless stuff in the yeah. world. <laughs> And I didn't do anything to the ones that I wanted to kill. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, it's what it's on a one, so it's not. Yeah. It's not going to happen all the time. But it's going to happen more than you, no. more than you, more than you think. I reckon. Yeah. Um, well, considering I got twice in a row, and then one game I got none at a twelve yeah, roll. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's just it's the new fun. It's the new rewrite. So it's going to be out there for mm. you know, it's going to be out there. So it's going to be fun. But yeah. but I remember like at one point uh, in Age of Sigma, the, like deadly terrain. That was the rule for deadly terrain. If you landed 
within an inch of a deadly terrain feature, you roll a dice on a one, it's slain. Model slain, yep. or one model is slain. So, like, actually, talk about like most memorable games. Um, another one was playing against uh, Chris, Chris Welfare mm-hmm. at um, Company of Dice when it was done at Coogee Bowls uh, years ago now. And it was during the, those times when it was deadly slain in a one. And I charged in my, I didn't have to, I got greedy in the game. And I, I think I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> people probably heard this, but yeah, it's just, it was just. I think I heard it from Chris because Chris really enjoyed it. Because when I interviewed Chris, I think this was his story. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. 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 Doesn't surprise me yet. So yeah, it was just, I didn't have to do it. I just got greedy, charged in. I thought I'll be fine. Land on the, de- land on the deadly terrain. Rolled a dice, rolled a one. No, <laughs> I just like, let out this light. You lose like, something big as well. Yeah. As oh yeah, it was, it was my vampire lord zombie dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just lo- it was just slain. Like oh god, it was it was hilarious. Like, but this just the tentacles came up and grabbed it. Yeah, it was just like this. I let out this yelp of like, <laughs> like, and it was like so earnest from the bottom of my my heart sort of thing. I was just like, <laughs> and, and like it was so loud and involuntary. <laughs> and like and everyone just sort of in the club just like stopped and looked and just nodded in like just knowing that everyone had been there before like <laughs> yeah 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 there's some rough moments but you look back in them and you, yeah you see like the enjoyment that you had yeah. reminiscing on these sort of crazy things yeah and people will look back on these crazy like purple sun days and think oh, i remember that time when purple suns were slaying things on a one you know like <laughs> yeah so there's even like a video of some dude slaying two more crushes like in one go because he's just like rolled double ones. Yes. yes. Or or someone like slaying an Archeon because he rolled one on his um ignore spells and then the guy rolled a one to, to slay an Archeon. It's just like <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's yeah, I love yeah. it. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Keep and what's nice about it is everyone <clears throat> can take one. That's it. Yeah, even playing field. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> even playfield. I just got to put some snow on the base. <laughs> yeah, that's all. It's just so easy to snow the base up, and it's good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, James, for coming on. It was great to speak to you. I've spoken to him many times, but it's great to sort of learn about your story and the hobby. Yeah, uh, nah, you've been it's on good to obviously be. both each other's podcasts and stuff like that, and I've spoken to you in re- like a few a few weeks ago and stuff like that. So it was really nice to sort of hear how you got into the hobby and what you find as an enjoyment of the hobby as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Like, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. That's most welcome. Is there anyone you wanted to shout out or anything you wanted to just talk at the end of the, the show here for you? Um, oh, yeah. Shout out to Golden Gamers Guild, uh, the local club here in Goulburn. Uh, we, mm-hmm. We've been a bit of a hiatus, uh, but we're sort of looking to sort of get back into some sort of garage hammer format and then expand back out into the the hall. We uh, used to meet, meet once a month before it all came crashing down. But um, yeah, yep. so well, yeah, looking at getting that happening again in the not too distant future. Uh, I want to just shout out uh, Wilso from the club. Wilso, if you're listening, mate, thanks for everything, mate. Uh, you've been awesome help. And uh, especially with uh, running... Golden Smash and with uh, G3 and just being a general top bloke coming to events and getting into it, representing the Golden Crew. Um, and also, yep, have to have to shout out Chris uh, from Molly Wounded. <laughs> Wouldn't be remiss if I didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, so love you, man. And yeah, looking forward to GoldCon. Shout out to everyone who's going to GoldCon. So I'm coming. I'll see you there. I'm for coming. Sure. I'm, yeah, looking forward to catching up with you, mate. Hopefully we'll get. Yeah. Hopefully we'll cross paths on the on the tabletop. I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that's that's shout outs. Yeah, just shout out to everyone, really. Just yeah. 
Yeah, beautiful. You guys, awesome. you guys rule. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, James. Great to speak to you. And have a good rest of your night. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to Unidentified Wargamer. You can find links for the guests located in the description. You can find the show on Twitter at U underscore Wargamer. And I will see you next week.